Welcome to Dicey Stuff, the podcast about life, because, well, the dicey stuff is the realest stuff of our lives. Come along as Lois examines living as a Christian woman in this modern age. Time to roll. Hey everybody, welcome to Dicey Stuff. My name is Lois Matson. I have the pleasure of having my good friend Stacy Olson with me again today. Stacy, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you can come back again for another discussion. It is a pleasure to have you. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. I honestly could probably do just a discussion with you once a week for the rest of my life and be totally fine with it. <laughs> we should just turn a microphone on and do that. <laughs> I think people might get tired of hearing my opinions. Oh, no. I have some pretty strong opinions and ideas. and You know what? I feel the same, though. I love to discuss with you because I feel like you take it seriously, you put thought into it, and I love that we can disagree on pretty significant things. And we still care about each other. We still love each other. We still hold each other as Christian sisters. And we have a lot of fun doing it. We both kind of have this whole Bible nerd thing going on. And, you know, like, we love the word. And, like, here, show me in the word. And I love that. Yeah. You know, the iron sharpens iron thing? Yeah. I feel like you're good iron. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. I feel sharper. (laughs) I feel feel sharper from being with you, too. (laughs) Cool. Well, we're doing a little discussion about gender and about tomboys and things. So, yeah. So, thank you for joining me for that today. Yeah. I'm a self professed tomboy. So, <laughs> I love to talk about it. There you go. Because I was just recently talking about being a tomboy to those, and mm-hmm. I had Googled something. I was looking up a scripture, and it was, um, oh. Was it a quote of a person or was it a Bible verse? I thought it was a Bible verse. About tomboys? Not about tomboys, but about calling something that's good not good. Mm. If God creates us and says that is good, like Mm -hmm. why do we say that is not? Yeah. Kind of like the woe to the one that calls evil good and good evil? Yeah. I think that's, maybe that's what I was thinking of. I don't know. Do you have it? What is it? Yeah. Isaiah 520. Read it. Woe unto them that call evil, I don't know what version this is, that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Yeah, I think that is actually the one I was talking about because they're calling it good. Mm -hmm. They're even like, love's love. Yeah, no, it's not. It's so bad that like we were rebranding at the church and trying to think we have no grow and serve. And it had been contemplated that it was going to be no grow and love. And I was just like, I'm not about that. And I couldn't figure out why at first. And then I thought about it and talked to my husband about it. And he's just like, because the way that society has changed the word love and what it all means in our culture today can yeah. be very misleading. And I was like, yeah, that is why. Yeah. So we kept it with no grow and serve because that's what it is. And we serve out of a heart of Thanksgiving uh, anyway. Yes, yes so, exactly. A heart of love. So I think that might be the scripture that I was thinking about because... They're saying it's good. Like, you have to be, like, all affirming if anyone thinks anything and they're saying it's good and it's loving. And it's like, it's they're saying it's loving, but it's honestly the most unloving thing. So they're, like, calling good evil and evil good. And it's so frustrating to me because they're, like, lovingly walking hand in hand off of a cliff straight into the pits of hell. And they have no idea. Yes, And it's kids now. I know. And that's what's so disturbing about it. Right. Exactly. They're calling the truth a lie and the lie a truth. And this is just what's happening. Yeah. I just recently heard a thing that I wanted to ask you about because it kind of resonated with me. It was a podcast or something I was listening to. And this pastor says, you become what you worship. You become like what you worship. If you worship the true God of heaven... You start to have his characteristics. Yeah. You know how you said when you're in the word often, your speech is more gracious. You have more patience. And if you're worshiping something other than the true God, then you become like that. Yeah. A God of your own making. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's what I was kind of talking about a little bit before when we're talking about, you know, some of the people that are saying, if you're born again, you no longer sin. That's a different God than what I know. And so that's confusing to me. Mm -hmm. 
And then they become people that point their fingers at me. And if I don't go along and believe with what they say, then they call me an unbeliever. And I just, my question is an unbeliever in who or what? Right. Like maybe I am an unbeliever in the God that you've made up. Right. That's right? a false God. It's a false God. Right. Because maybe maybe I should just start saying you're right. I am an unbeliever. Yeah. I don't believe in the God in that the you're God talking that you're about. In the God that you're talking about. Because the God that I serve and that I've read about is, that's not true. Like some of the stuff that they say. Right. Right. It's so hard for us to wrap our brains around that our God demands perfection. That's what his requirement is. The law says, do this and you will live. Be holy. Be holy. For I'm holy. Yes. That's law with like the hammer. And we stand before that and we say, Lord, I can't. We fall short. We fall short. I'm sorry, but that hammer comes down and breaks us into a million pieces. Because we can't stand up under it. We look and we say in the mirror of God's law and say, I've broken it. And that's why I was talking earlier about, I get to the first commandment and I just, I'm crushed. Right. I don't have to go through two through 10 because I go, you know what? I build little gods all day long. But do you, do you ever, do you ever like look at that and say like periods of time in your life where you can get past the first one? I don't think so. I think the older I get, the more the first one just crushes me. And I don't even get beyond that ever. I know the blackness of my own heart. I don't even know it. I'm uh, The older I get, the more I see. Yeah. It's like the older I get, the more closets I start digging in. And the more I see that I am not measuring up in myself. You know what? Praise be to God that he has washed me, that he has redeemed me. And yeah, that, and, and he and he does like the closet cleaning for sure. And he keeps doing the closet cleaning, like he just keeps going deeper and deeper into my heart and pulling out junk. Yeah, and I don't know. I I feel like there's times where definitely thou shalt have no other gods before me is convicting because I've been pouring all of my time, energy, and money into something else that mm-hmm. isn't bringing any glory to God or has anything to do with that with anything about the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so then there's a conviction and a repentance. But I feel like there's times where I read that and I'm just like, yeah, and I could move on to number two and then I might get stuck. <laughs> you know, <laughs> okay. because because yeah. I, you know, yeah. I have some difficult neighbors, even like yeah. in, in like real neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No, I know. And if you look at both tables, <laughs> you know, you look at the first table with God, you know, love to God, and then second table, love to your neighbor. And... Those both kind of have, like... You know what, though? Do you think... I've thought about this. Do you think that... This is what I've said. God cares more about who you are than what you do. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, I think sometimes we judge ourselves on what we're doing more than who we are. I'm not talking about what I'm doing. And that's exactly what I'm talking about when I say I get stopped at the first commandment. It's who I am. I am honest to God, flesh of Eve. Like I am her offspring. And she reached right out and she took that apple and fruit. Pomegranate. Pomegranate. (laughs) She, She reached out and she took that fruit that looked so good when the serpent deceived her. And she said, you know, that looks really good. Yeah, you know, that's key. That the deception. Yes. That's key. It's key in like staying sensitive to other people who are caught up in sin that's really obvious to us. Yes. It might be obvious to us because we've already been there, done that. Yeah. But when we were there doing that, yeah. It wasn't obvious to us. We were no. deceived. Right. And so how do you speak the truth in love and gently take that person by the hand or walk alongside that person and try to encourage them to see the truth mm-hmm. and that the scales may come off of their eyes. I mean, I think very prayerfully, mm-hmm. but there was many people instrumental in my life that didn't just like wash their hands of me or right. dismiss me that, you know, spoke things into my life. And I think I've heard this before. Like sometimes, you know, you ever tell your kids something and they they just completely dismiss you 
your advice and then someone else tells them the same thing and then they're just like they come to you and they tell you about this great advice this person gave them right. and you have to bite your tongue because you know you gave them that exact advice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and but they didn't hear you but we're no different no exactly because i feel like sometimes god's trying to get our attention on something some deception that we're caught up in that he wants us to let go of or walk out of whatever mm-hmm. and he'll bring people to us to speak words into our lives to help us see the truth for what it really is and see evil for what it really is Mm -hmm. and walk away from that deception. So I think it helps me to stay sensitive to people in deception Mm -hmm. a little bit more Mm -hmm. when I've been there and probably still have blind spots. Oh, absolutely. I think we're going to have blind spots forever, but they're just going to be in different places. Right. But as we continue to grow and continue to be sanctified. Yes. Continue. Yeah. Continue to learn, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's a process. But I don't know that we're ever, we're, I know that we're never going to conquer it. No, we never do. No, not until, 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 that's why it's so beautiful when a saint dies and goes to be with the Lord. Right. E- even if it's like so sad and we're going to miss right. them and they were taken too early or something. We're still, it's such a beautiful thing because it's literally, if you know that they were a believer and they lived their life with that fruit, their final battle is over. Like they fought the final battle of yeah. death and yes. they've already done the sin part. Yep. Now they fought the death part and now they're finally free. Finally. Yeah, finally. And, you know, someday our day will come too. So mm-hmm. it's kind of, the Bible has a ton of encouragement about this where it's oh, just no like, kidding. fight the good fight, you know, yeah. like run the race. And yeah. when my mom, my mom passed away this year at the end of January and she, I started thinking about, she was really young when she had me. She was 20 when she had me and she got her early onset dementia started when she was in her late fifties and I'm already in my mid forties on the on the higher end of my mid forties. <laughs> and I started thinking back about how old was mom when she, when I started notice, I was the first one to start noticing some symptoms and they were really mild at the beginning, but it was the first, it was the shadow that was to, mm-hmm. to come. And, um, I counted the, the time on that and I went, Oh no. And when I actually was interviewing for the job, the three elders that were part of the hiring committee and that were interviewing me, one of the questions they asked me was to share my testimony, which is, mm-hmm. Definitely unique to taking a job at a church. Right. So I shared my testimony with them. A different version of... (laughs) They're all still the truth. Yes. Some are just really shortened and some I I feel like sharing more of one aspect of my testimony than another. Right. Because it wasn't like... I was a sinner, then I then I like... On this certain date this happened and then everything's been perfect. It's just... Yeah. I don't feel like my testimony is that clear like that. Right. Anyway, um, so I, I shared with them a part of my testimony... And then they said, anything else that we would need to know in consideration of hiring you for this job? And I said, well, there is one thing. My mother is sick mm-hmm. and she's dying. Like we knew that it was a terminal condition with no cure. And she was already on the later end of it because they, they give them, when they have the onset of that, they give them seven to 10 years basically is the average for for mm-hmm. the disease to run its course. And so I said, yeah. You know, I really do want this job, but I said, when I consider it, I'm going to need to go out to Washington and we are in New Hampshire. So it's takes a Mm -hmm. little bit of time for travel. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to need to go out there every three to four months to spend just a few days with my mom and dad Mm -hmm. as we walk through this. And if that's going to be okay with you guys and we can work that out, then we could do that. And I said, because the fact of the matter is this, if I'm going to run this race well, and I said, and if for some horrible reason, I end up with the same disease as my mom because they don't, they're not sure how much of a genetic component it has. Mm-hmm. I said, I may only have 15 more years. Yeah. And if that's the truth, I want to run this race with everything I have in me and I want to run across, I'm going to cry. I want to run across the finish line mm-hmm. with my hair straight back, mm-hmm. with sweat running off my brow mm-hmm. and reach with my fingers over that finish line mm-hmm. and fall at the feet of my savior. Mm-hmm. And not look back with any regret. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. So, that's what I'm trying to do. Because mm-hmm. we don't know how much time we have. We don't. Nope. And with all the death I've had, it's just more and more clear to me that it is a vapor. Yeah, exactly. We're here today and we're gone tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But you know what? The next one eternal i know this one's a vapor the next one is like 
you know the oh what is it velveteen rabbit you know when you become real (laughs) we will become real yes no it's so true and i mean there's something i don't know what exactly the point is I mean, I know it's to love the Lord and glorify him. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the point of this, mm-hmm. this life, this, mm-hmm. this chapter. But I think that, like, what we do and how we treat people and everything we say and everything we don't say and all of it will be given an account. Mm-hmm. And I do think there'll be rewards. Mm-hmm. And I think that there will be awards. And I mm-hmm. think there will be... I mean, no matter what, like, we're all going to be just, like, so happy for each other or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this matters. This life matters. Right. I'm not sure how much. My One of my closest friends, he's 80 years old. <laughs> <laughs> and he comes and encourages me all the time. And we talk about his question is always, what is God showing you? Yeah. And we talk about whatever theological stuff and the thing that keeps coming up over and over is in the end the only thing that's going to stand is anything that is like for the kingdom and anything that brings glory to god mm-hmm. like anything and he was just like i even would say if you're doing something that looks good and you have the wrong motive mm-hmm. it'll burn up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so he's like check your heart yeah and i'm like yeah, yeah definitely so yeah that might not sound encouraging to some people, <laughs> but like he's, but he's, he's always just like, you're doing such a good job, kiddo. And like, mm-hmm. I love that. I love when you have someone that's old enough in your life that you're 46 and they call you kiddo. Yeah. Right. Cause you feel kind of old some days when you wake up and then when your 80 <laughs> year old friend stops over, like, yeah. he comes to the office. Yeah. He's one of our deacons and I've had so much loss in my life that there's a part of me that didn't want to like love him mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. cause he's 80. Cause he's going to die. Probably. I mean, before you. Chances. You would expect. Chances are he's going to die before you. I yeah. get that. I'm I've s- never verbalized that to anyone because it's like, not that I'm a name it or claim it because I'm not. I don't no. think because no. I speak it, it's going to happen or anything no. like that. It's no. just I reality. Think when, I think when you say something, it makes it real or something. Yeah. Yeah. Because I prefer to um, stuff my feelings really down, <laughs> like so far down. like They don't even have a name. No, and they're locked up with like wrapped in duct tape because yeah. I'm from Michigan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And that's how I prefer to live. But God's showing me more and more that that's not how he would prefer I live. Right. And I'm like, darn it, because that's a lot more comfortable. Yeah. Because when you have your heart open yeah. to people, and then they go yeah. ahead, it hurts. But I'll be so happy for him. I know. <laughs> because I, know. I have like a little no- jealous. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he even he even kind of rubs it in sometimes. Like sometimes he's just like, my race has got to be close to finish. Yeah. <laughs> Although yeah. he's healthy and he's still, yeah. he's the first one to volunteer to help someone get their wood in for the winter or something. Right. I need a tissue. Yeah. But, yeah, run the right side. Eh? Mm-hmm. How did that start? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'd be interested to listen back and find out how that rabbit trail began. <laughs> so what was that question? What were you even, what did you start with? I don't even remember. <laughs> what did I start with? Yeah, I don't know. One of my one of my things that I say every morning, and I actually someone actually bought it for me, and I never told them. I love when stuff like this happens. When you don't tell anyone anything, it's something that's between you and the Lord. And when I was going through a rough stretch, like when my mom was really sick and all of that, and I'd have such a rough day, and I'd go to bed thinking to myself, his mercies are new every morning. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, like mm-hmm. what seems so heavy at night, you wake up the next morning and it's like a fresh start. And yeah. I think that's why God created like the day and the night like that. Cause I yeah. think we couldn't, we, we need that like reset. Yeah. And I would do that. And then someone bought me a big like wall hanging that said his mercies are new every morning. Yeah. And I'm like, 
I mean, I know it's a scripture and Hobby Lobby has a lot of the same stuff, but still it was like the thing that was on my heart and I never spoke a word of it. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe some of the stuff that just like exudes out of you, you know, when you do, when you are in the word and you are with the Lord and all of mm-hmm. that, maybe some people see stuff that you don't even realize you're exposing yeah. parts of yourself that are right. being exposed or whatever. Right. Because then um, one of my other friends got me a little thing and I have it hanging in my bathroom and it says every moment matters. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I love that. Yeah. Because it does, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think death definitely makes that so like tangible. Yes. When you go through that. Yeah. But then you realize it also makes it so beautiful. I know. The veil between heaven and earth gets really thin. Yeah. You can almost see through it. Like it's right there. I can almost like I'm touching it. I hate that you have to be in such a painful place sometimes to be able to feel like that veil so thin. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But that's where like there's beauty in that like yeah. pain. If you yeah. lean into him right. for your comfort and yes. lean into him. Because he says like, I draw near to the brokenhearted. Yeah. Instead of as long as you don't try to conflict, avoid that grief and try right. to drink it away or whatever. Mm-hmm. I've done both ways. And so I can like say that like <laughs> running to the Lord is definitely... The better way yes. than, than yes. the other way. Exactly. That's definitely the way to go. But like if my mom hadn't passed away, my dad never would have moved out to live with me. And then in turn become like closer to my kids and right. my grandson and right. be able to spend that time with him. They would have, my mom and dad would have just stayed on the West Coast. They would have really right. had no reason to move. Right. So like even though we lost mom, yeah. like we gained dad. There's a blessing There's like, yeah. yeah. So it's... I hope he's starting to find blessings in it because obviously he lost his wife, which is a different loss, which that is another important thing with loss. I think that people need to understand too is don't ever think that because this person dies, everyone has the same level of grief for that person because everyone has a different relationship with that person. Right. And that I think that's really important because I'm grieving my mom in a different way than my dad is grieving my mom. Right. So, or then your kids are grieving your mom, or then my kids are, yeah, yeah. or even each one of my kids individually, because yeah. Yeah. like my oldest was definitely a lot closer to her than my two younger ones because of like our geography. Like mm-hmm. we lived closer to them when my firstborn was smaller, so she was able to build a really foundational relationship with them, and the boys never really did. Yeah, it affects everybody differently, and to be sensitive to that mm-hmm. and not try to rush people along in it. Mm-hmm. It was interesting to talk to the cousin that stopped over and our moms passed away like around the same time Mm -hmm. to be able to like talk through some of that was, I think that was really good. Mm -hmm. But I wish we had a better way in our culture to signify those who are grieving. You know, they used to have like, they'd dress a certain way or wear a um, thing around their arm or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of wish that people did. I'm not even talking for myself. Like, I wish I could wear something to signify I'm grieving, which mm-hmm. it honestly would be helpful. Mm-hmm. But more so even for, I wish I would know who all is grieving because I would be even more sensitive with those people. I'd mm-hmm. be even more gentle with those people because when you're grieving, I feel like you're you're raw. Yeah. Like, you're so easily hurt. You're so easily offended. You're so easily yeah. upset and so easily tired, even. Yeah. Even the, like, don't ask for as much physical yeah. activity as you once were able to. Right. Not forever, but yeah. for, like, a period of time. And I think the grieving person knows when they feel more themselves and they could take that armband off or whatever. Right. right. I, like, really wish there was something. Yeah. I get that. And maybe that's just part of a problem of being part of a bigger church. You know, maybe if you're in a smaller church, you could keep track of yeah, who is who, who all really is. is grieving. You know, mm-hmm. but right now, as it stands, we have like 24 widows in our group. Wow! And our grief share classes have been bigger than they've ever been. Mm-hmm. We had 18 people show up at the surviving the holidays class. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy numbers. Mm-hmm. And we've put 58 people through grief share class this year. Yeah. That's a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, they're not all from our church. It's That's like an outreach for the community. Right. But I think that has helped a lot. That pulled me up. That like pulled me up. That grief share class that um, Pat does. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that it said, and this was the one that was just like, 
ding, ding, ding. When you hear the rest of my history is, um, we went to the, one of the classes, I don't know which week it is because it's 13 weeks, but on one of the videos it said, if you're using alcohol to cope with your pain, we, we don't recommend that you do that because what's going to happen is you're going to have an alcohol problem and the pain will still be there. Yeah. So then you'll have two problems. <laughs> and I was like, yikes, I already have one problem. I don't want two problems, you know, yeah. much less whatever. So yeah, that was, you know, part of my journey of like coming out of all of that too is yeah. just being like, oh, because society will even tell you, oh, we understand why you're doing that. Like she's coping or, yeah. or she's self-medicating or she's yeah. like whatever. It's yeah. almost like it's excused a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's not that it should be excused. It's like it should be revealed for the deception it is. Right. And I'm not saying drinking is sin. I'm not no. saying drinking equals sin. I'm not saying no. that at all. And don't hear right. me wrong. Right. I'm saying when you're using it to not feel and to numb yourself and to cope with a problem. Right. That's a problem. Yeah. Because you're not coping with the problem. No. That's not coping. That's, which, that's which, conflict avoidance. That's what I was just going to say. That <laughs> goes right back to you're not resolving the conflict. Yeah. It's an avoidance tactic. Yeah. All over again. We have so, we're so good as humans yeah. of coming up with a myriad of ways of coping, coping in quotation marks yeah. with our problems. And it's not coping. It's you know, avoidance. You know what Adam and Eve was? Hmm. They sewed fig leaves. Covered right off it the up. bat. And then the second thing they did? They hid. They hid. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you don't get more. Covered up and avoided. And av- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, really, it's right from the very beginning. It's born right into us. It's, it's, it's like our automatic response. And I think yeah. we need to be taught differently. Yes. Or if you found that you have covered up in your avoiding, like you don't have to stay there. Right. Like go to God. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Repent. Repent. Yes. Turn from that way. Yes. Yes. Confess your sin. Yes. And he is faithful and just. Write the letter of the yeah. letter of integrity. Like yes. rebuild that relationship. Mend yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Let him sow that into you. It, but it's, you watch little kids are the same way. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, totally. They'll be coloring on a wall yeah. with a crayon, you know, or whatever. Yeah. You catch them and they hide it behind their back. Yeah. And then they get mad that you've disciplined them, like, that they don't think it's wrong. It's like, you know it's wrong. Now when you're you, hiding. Yeah, now you're, yeah, like, you hit they, it behind your back. They yeah. do all of the same things, you know? Right. First, right. they, they might even be doing it and they're like, I didn't do it. And it's yeah. like, right there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> don't deny it. And then you're hiding it. So yeah. you're going to hide it. Then you're going to... Then they try to run away with run. the front. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, they just... <laughs> you just watch it play out. It's just like yeah. the same yeah. thing over and over and over. And we think we're so smart and evolved. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're like 50 years old doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But I think once you see it for what it is, it's mm-hmm. easier to stop. I just don't think we slow down enough to really think about what it is that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And not just in the immediate, but like how is this going to affect the long term? We can't keep going through life being like, is this going to be good for me for right now? Mm-hmm. We have to think like long term. I mm-hmm. mean, if you're past the point where your frontal lobe's developed, like you're 24 <laughs> years old or whatever, you should be able to have some long term rational thinking skills. Yeah. Yeah. And know that like by covering look, this up, it's not going to long term be well for that relationship. Yeah. Look beyond 24 and three days. Yeah. I'm now 24. I'm yeah. going to look beyond 24 and three days or 24 in a week. Yeah. 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 The immediate solution's not always the best solution. Right. And very rarely is the best solution unless you've already trained yourself to do healthy conflict resolution. Right. Which, I mean, the letter writing form is only one form, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And obviously, I don't know if you've been through any counseling or anything mm-hmm. like that, but through like some of the counseling, you know, you can learn better active listening skills. And, right. You know, if you weren't taught it growing up, and I wasn't, and my poor kids really haven't been. I'm kind of trying to teach them as they're, you know, late teens, early 20s. Like, they're learning as I'm learning. So it's mm-hmm. not like it's ever too late. No. You know, you can help your grown kids by just basically sharing what you've learned. Right. And then they can take the pieces they want and run with it because yeah. they're their own people. But 
you do learn to be able to do some of it verbally right then and not mm-hmm. let it take seed or take root or whatever. Right. And do the active listening. Mm-hmm. Have you learned like that whole like repeat things back yep. thing? Yep. Restate. Restate it back to them. Right. Yep. So you're like, what, you, what you're saying is you do understand what... Yes. Uh, uh, yes, I do so understand. So I'm, I'm now just doing yeah. that. Yeah. So you understand that I'm doing the yeah. active listening yes. skill to yes. you. <laughs> I do understand that you're doing the active listening skill to me that you did to me, that I did you, to you. That... You know, the, the, funniest thing, <laughs> the funniest thing about that is the first... I hadn't even gone to any counseling or anything, and I was with a friend. She's quite a bit old. She's old enough to be my mom. But she's like, I, ha- I have a lot of really old friends. <laughs> I just, they have so much more wisdom. I know. And they have so much, like, deep conversation. Like, I just absolutely cherish it. So, yeah, I have a lot of older friends. I don't know why I'm just, like, realizing this. <laughs> but she, I don't know even what the issue was that I was kind of, like, griping about. I think it was, like, a thing between, like, me and my daughter or something. It probably was, because that's that was for years it was like in her teenage years because she's the spinning image of me and she just she pushed all the right buttons and I pushed her buttons and whatever mm-hmm. so I'm like telling we're at this hotel spending the night where we had gone away for the weekend like a bunch like four of us or whatever and we're kind of laying there at night you'd think we're like having a slumber party right because mm-hmm. the lights are off we're all trying to go to sleep and I was just like well you know if she would just quit like always like saying saying i always do this and i always do that when it's like not even true like that would be helpful and then my friend like it starts doing this active listening but so what you're saying is like when she does that it makes you like feel like whatever and i was just like yeah and then because of that like blah blah blah, blah. and she's like so like so then that makes you like do this when she does that she's basically rephrasing exactly what i'm saying yeah. back to me i have right. no idea she's doing this yeah. to me and this goes on for probably about 15 minutes and my other friends are chiming in a tiny bit, but it's mostly like me and her talking. And then I was just like, you're so wise and so smart and so helpful and whatever. I'm telling her like how awesome she is. And I was like, we probably should go to bed. And she's like, okay. And it's quiet for a second. And then she says, you know, all I did is repeat back to you exactly what you said. (laughs) (laughs) And I laid there silent for a minute, thinking back on what she had told me. And I was like, why was that so helpful? Yeah. It was so helpful for me to hear back, like, what I was actually because feeling. You, because you were heard. You knew that she heard you. And more than wanting an answer or wanting steps to move forward or whatever, you wanted to be heard. Like, she knew what you were saying. Yeah. And that's uh, sometimes that listening ear... If it's a listening ear that understands, that truly hears, sometimes that's all you need, you know, is just, I need to talk this out and know that someone hears what I'm saying. I think that helps with, that was so impactful for me Mm -hmm. because I didn't realize that she was doing it. And I I still remember how I felt about it and how I was going on and on about how amazing she was and thank you so much, whatever. And now I can finally sleep Mm -hmm. type of thing. And it was just hilarious when she said, I just repeated back exactly what you said to me. And I'll never forget it because of the way she did it. And so I've learned to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Because as women, most of the time, we don't want a solution. Right. We don't. We just... Exactly. We want to be heard. Yeah, we want to be heard. Mm-hmm. We want to not only be heard, I think we want to feel understood. Yeah. I guess I was kind of putting those... Yeah. Like, you. that's what you meant. That's what I meant. Yeah. 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 Because we just feel so misunderstood by our husbands, probably. Because, and rightly so, because mm-hmm. we'll never fully understand each other. That's another thing, like right. this side of heaven. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we're just, they're men, we're women. Yeah. We think differently, we feel differently, we act differently, we have different sets of whatever put on us, and there's no way, I don't care how much you want to, like, pretend you're a girl if you're a boy or whatever, it's just not the same, you're not going to feel the same things. Yeah, exactly. Unless you're truly a woman, or right. you're truly a man. Right. Right. Those those social pressures or the yeah patriarchy or the mm-hmm. or whatever you want to say. Yeah. And that's something that the things may be different in different centuries or different cultures, but they're, they're still there. The roles are still there and the expectations are still there. And yeah, they're not. No, women being the childbearing part of the human race 
mm-hmm. is automatically because of that the more vulnerable. Yeah, it's exactly. in it's straight across the line in any kind of animal you ever look at. A woman is more vulnerable yeah. because she can get pregnant, and then when she gets pregnant and caring for a young one, she's just more vulnerable. She yeah. has a different role to play. Yeah, and a different exactly. set of feelings she's going to feel, and and different fears and yeah insecurities and anxieties than a guy is ever going to feel. Right. I know. I remember talking with Al once about. I don't remember. We were talking about walking down a dark alley or something, and it was something that was kind of a revelation to him because I had explained to him about, I don't know if we had gone, I don't remember what the circumstance was, something like we went to Portland and there was like this street we had to walk down and it was really creepy and it was dark and they were like, Mm -hmm. and he's like, I have never felt that in my life. He's like, that was, it was very helpful for him to see from a woman's perspective what it was like, what I felt like, what I thought talking about your feelings, what it made me feel, the vulnerability, the awareness of my surroundings. My senses were on high alert. Yeah. And he was just like blown away because he's like, as a guy, you just don't do that. You just, that's just a street and you just walk down it. Yeah. And he didn't have that awareness of, I am vulnerable here. Yeah. You know, I actually had like a creepy thing happen where I had, we were cleaning out the basement and I had like this big pile of stuff and it wasn't junk, but it was so random that it was like, you couldn't, I wasn't going to sell every little thing off and type of, I just, I needed to get rid of it. And if you get a dumpster, you have to pay, right? So I just wanted someone to take it all. I Mm -hmm. just was done with all that. And so I just like, it was all on a pile and I took a picture and I put it on like the Facebook, all the marketplaces and all the surrounding ones because I wanted it gone. And someone contacted me back and said, yeah, they are going to come. And could they come at whatever time? And I said, actually, could you come at noon? Because that's when I didn't say because my husband's home from work. But I was just like, that's when he comes home from work. And so I knew that Ed would be there. And the guy said, yeah, that's going to work or whatever. And so it was all set up for the guy to come and get it. And it was in the basement. I wasn't going to move it because I was like, they can haul it out. Yeah, they get to. Yep. You know, they get to haul it up the stairs. Yeah. And that day. I hadn't even told Ed anything about the guy coming over or anything. It's just one of those, I just assumed whatever. And he had messaged me and said, five minutes before the guy was supposed to get there, hey, I'm not coming home for lunch. Company's buying lunch today type of thing. And I was just like, shoot. And then I was like, well, I'm sure it's fine, whatever. So the guy shows up and and my kids are upstairs doing homeschool. And all three of the kids were there. And the guy comes in the front door and like the kids are like, hi. He's like, hi. And I'm like, it's right through here. And I bring him down into the basement. And I was like, he's like, all of this? I'm like, all of that. And he was just like, he looks at me and he's like, he was a big guy. I mean, he was one of those that's like 6'3", 250 type like big guy. And he looks at me hovering over me and he says, is your husband home? And I was like, he will be any minute. And he looked at me and he said, don't ever let someone like me in your house without your husband home. Ugh. And I got the chills. My hair stood up on the back <laughs> of my neck. And I I said, you can just take the stuff out this back door here and like around the back of the house or whatever. I'm going to lock the door up there. I have to go back up. The kids are doing school. For one, he didn't know there was no lock on that door mm, at, the, at top the top of the, of the stair. stairs. Right. But I want him to think there was. And then he like took all the stuff and he like left. I peeked my head out the door when I saw him at the car that was cut out in the driveway and I said, have a nice day. And he was just like, you too. And he left. But I really think to this day that if I didn't have my kids there, there was something in him that kept him from doing anything because my kids were there. Yeah. But I honestly think there was something evil about that guy. Ugh. Creepy. Super. Yeah. So yeah, in that moment I felt like Super vulnerable because of the size of that man, and he's a man. I yeah. mean, even even a scrawny teenage boy is yes. stronger than most grown women. Yes, yes, they just are. They're built that they're built that's, to be strong. That's how God made them. Yeah, for a purpose, for, for a, a reason. Purpose. But we feel vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know how that ties into wanting to be heard. <laughs> but um, it does. <laughs> but it does somehow. I'm sure of it. Well, just. Just the differences between men and women. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Women want to be heard. Yeah. And understood. 
Do you think that has something to do with why some women want to just be men and they think they can just be a man? Yeah, maybe. It could be. I know a lot of girls that I know that have decided to live a lesbian lifestyle have been sexually abused by yes. a man. Yes. And vice versa. Yeah. For the boys wanting mm-hmm. to be with boys instead of mm-hmm. girls and whatever, which that one doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if you think about it, but... You know, it's super weird, though, in that same, kind of in that same vein, our culture has not glorified manhood for many years. Right. A manly man is not valued, maybe. Well, that feminist agenda got pushed so hard to one side. What started off as being something decent to, like, have somewhat of equal wages for women that decided to go into the workplace turned into something that it never was intended to be. Right. And in turn, it tipped the scales and made it so masculinity was now toxic. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. It's horrible. And in that sense, thinking about a woman who wants to be a man, why would you want to be a man today? Mm -hmm. Because males are not valued. It's like... If we could get rid of them all and still propagate the human race, there are lots of women on the planet who would vote for that. Like, just get rid of them. Like, make a sperm bank and get rid of them. And that's super weird to me. Like, why would a woman then want to be a man? Because manhood is not valued. Or do they want to be an effeminate man that is not truly masculine? You know, not protector, provider, defender godly leader traits Mm -hmm. i don't know that's totally another rabbit trail but no i know well i was saying to someone the other day that had i grown up so i grew up in the 80s and 90s but if i had grown up in today's culture i wonder how messed up i would have been because i already had obviously all these other issues and whatever that i had dealt with but i also when i was young before I went through puberty, and then even when I first went through puberty, like when I was like 12, I would pray <laughs> to God, please don't let me get boobs. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a girl. I want to be a tomboy. Like, I want to be a boy. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't say tomboy. I want to be a boy. I would cry. Every picture of me that, like, my sister and I are in dresses, like, she's all smiles because she was so girly, girly, and I was just like always in the dirt and climbing trees and mm-hmm. riding my bike and scabbed knees. And anytime I was in a dress, I was crying. Because mm-hmm. my mom would force me into a dress, and I'd hate it. Mm-hmm. And I really did. I begged people, God, why can't I be a boy? And I remember even asking my parents, like, I just wish I was a boy. And they were like, Why? Well, I'm like, you can pee standing up, and you don't have to wear yeah. dresses. And like, there was all these reasons <laughs> yeah. I had. Yeah. And I was just like, I was a competitive swimmer. And any of the girls, when they had, I watched them start getting breasts as they got older, and then they were slower because it was like mm-hmm. drag. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, and then I don't want boobs, and then I don't mm-hmm. want babies, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. any of this stuff. And had I grown up in today's culture, mm-hmm. Back then, they were just like, Stacy's a tomboy, she's a tomboy, and I was a self-professed tomboy. Right. And so I asked someone recently that it's in like a teenage generation now, like the teenagers now, and I said, is there any such thing as tomboys anymore? And they like kind of like looked at me and they're like, what do you mean? And it's I was a like, tomboy. Right? Yeah. So because I would venture to guess that like 99% of tomboys just ended up going through puberty, you get your full hormones and you start, and I started to dress more feminine and I started to just want to be more of a girl. I mean, I'm still more, lean more toward the masculine than the feminine than Mm -hmm. a lot of girls. Yeah. As far as just like even how I like to dress and what I like to do and stuff like that. I'm not. That's, yeah. But that doesn't. You're not a super girly girly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not frills and lace and all of that. Yeah. I like my tennis shoes and blazers and pants Mm -hmm. and still to this day, which goes back to like, still am who I've always been. Yes. Right? It's just like a more like grown up version of it. Yeah. But I'm glad I didn't grow up then. I really think I would have had some like gender confusion because I think it's more just that, like that you have those feelings because your body's changing and all these things. And you realize like, if this happens, you're not going to be able to be a kid anymore. And then you have to act like this and yeah, social pressures. But now society isn't giving you those same social cues and social pressures so that you just naturally evolve out of this awkward phase into what God calls us to be. But right. instead culture saying, Oh, you don't want to be a girl. You don't have to be. Yeah. And I would have been like, 
yay. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Bring it, on the hormones. Yeah, or whatever. yeah. Yeah. Give me a top surgery and all this yeah. stuff. And I'm so glad. Yeah. Because I've learned to appreciate being a woman. Yeah, exactly. And have enjoyed having childbirth and mm-hmm. all of that. Yeah. And I'm glad I'm not a man. I don't mm-hmm. want to be a man. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if I like chose to be a man after I was a woman <laughs> and then I had to live with that forever? Oof. Oof. And that's what's happening to these poor kids. Yeah. That's what's hard. Yeah. It's really it hard. It is. Because that doesn't solve. That's another. We go right back around. Avoidance. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Conflict avoidance instead of resolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like I was able to say all the things that like why I didn't want to be. Yeah. And um, my parents were just like, well, that's just what it's going to be. And you're going to learn that it's okay. And you're going to be okay. And it's mm-hmm. going to work itself mm-hmm. out. And mm-hmm. it's okay if you climb trees. and You know what I mean? Yeah. And you like, can be a girl and climb trees and have scab knees. Okay. And snowboard and do all the things the boys yeah. are doing, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe it's hard for parents even today because like. If you had a tomboy today and they said that to you, what I had said, you know, would the parents say like, it's okay to like feel that way, but this and that instead it's just like, not only is it okay to feel that way, but now I have to validate that. Like, maybe this is who you really are. And it's just like, wait, no, stop. Don't do that. You know, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. I could tell all the little tomboys out there, you're going to grow out of this to a certain point. Yeah. But you might be a full grown woman who still would prefer to wear blazers and flats and no board. And that doesn't mean you're not a girl. And that doesn't mean you're not a girl. You right. can be a girl and wear blazers and snowboard. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. And cut your hair short. Yep. And yeah. not wear jewelry. I don't have my ears pierced. Like, yeah. I don't, none of yeah. it. Yeah. But it would be hard to even affirm the feelings of a teenage kid these days that are going through something and feeling like a tomboy with the fear of that they might culturally feel the pressure to do some kind of something serious and permanent. Right. I hope parents have enough wherewithal to stand up under that pressure. Yeah. If their kid is young and in saying those things. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we don't even let them get tattoos until they're 18 because it's something so permanent on their right. body that right. they're not going to be able to. I mean, you can't even get that taken off if you spend yeah. enough money and have yeah. enough pain. Yeah. But even those decisions, we don't let them make. But yet we'll let them choose to be. Something other than... Yeah, and and they don't know better, and they're supposed to be protected, and they're not being protected. Right. Right. And that's not... If God wanted you to be a boy, he would have made you a boy. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's actually one of the things that helped me be okay with my body, too, because then I prayed <laughs> I prayed that I wouldn't get boobs, and then, voila, I didn't really get boobs. So then I was, like, really regretting that prayer. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it actually happened because of that prayer or, right. like, if that's just what was going to happen anyway. Right. My family isn't known to be big, although I am the smallest <laughs> on the top of, like, any of my family on both sides. Yeah. So, like, I don't know if God's just like, ha, ha, you got what you asked for yeah and as i got older of course i regretted that decision (laughs) yeah to pray for that um but it did help i I finally someone had told me somewhere along the lines that you know if god would have wanted you to have blue eyes he would have given you blue eyes and if god would have intended for you to have you know bigger boobs he would have given you bigger boobs and different things like that and if you say that like you don't like what you have you're basically you know, someone gave you all these beautiful things and you're saying they're not beautiful enough. Yeah. They're not the beautiful in the way you want them to be beautiful. And like, yeah. you know, you really ought to be thankful that yeah. he created you the way he created you because yeah. he thinks that this is exactly how you should be. Right. And I really appreciated that because it helped me to like mm-hmm. be okay with who I was. And at one point in time, I was a little bit tempted going back to the flesh tempting you. We were doing really well financially for a period of time and it was early on in our marriage. I think I had only had one kid and... I was tempted to get a breast implant job. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't going to go crazy. I just wanted to be a C, you know, yeah. just real yeah. average. Yeah. And I had thought about it and I was talking to my husband about it off and on. And he finally said, if you really want to do it, you can do it. Like, I'll pay for it. I don't think you should do it, but I'm not going to stop you from doing it. All I ask of you is that you pray about it every night for a week before you call and make the appointment. I said, okay, deal. And I'm a person of my word, so every night when I went to bed, I prayed about it. Like, I really want to get this done, and, you know, should I go to this doctor or that doctor? And then the prayer evolved into, like, you know, eventually, like, do you want me to get this done type of thing? And I went to bed one night. I It was only, like, the third night of praying. And I had a dream that night, and I woke up the next morning. And I don't have a ton of, like, dreams that are, like, super clear that I remember, like, years later or anything. And I had this dream that I had died, 
and I was walking to the pearly gates and like there was a guy with a book and it was like giving an account for the things and they're like so okay we blessed you with that extra five thousand dollars or whatever and um you bought boobs (laughs) and I was like yes and I was so ashamed I told him, I I don't want one. I don't want a boob job because I'm going to have to give an account for that. And I just don't feel like I can justify it to them. Right. So that was, and and no no judgment on someone that's done it. It's your own personal conviction to figure out what what you can do and not do and all of that. Like it's a personal thing, but that's just, that's something that happened to me. And and I don't regret not getting them. Like I'm totally fine. It, It took, it did take me a little bit longer to like be okay with that part of my body. Right. Exactly. But exactly. eventually I did because now, you know, how all my friends are older and they're all complaining that their boobs are sagging. Yeah. And mine still are in the same place because they're A. So they don't really move. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they, they look like they did. When I they was just, young. Yeah. Yeah. They just they kind just, of stay put. Yeah. There so, you go. But it, it took me until my friends started complaining about their sagging before I realized that I There's actually. a blessing. In yeah. This. That I actually had the better kind. Yeah. But it took a while. Yeah. That's okay. Before I was okay. <laughs> That's why you have to accept what you have because you don't, in the moment, it might not seem right. Right. But when you like go forward a number of years and look back, you say that was perfect. Yeah. But in the moment it felt wrong. Yeah. And that goes back to like the gender thing. Yeah. You know, body, how you feel about your body. Yeah. All those kind of things. Yeah. Exactly. You just don't know. Exactly. But don't pray for stuff like that if you're not serious. No. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and then hear the answer to that prayer as well you heard the answer to that prayer like you bought what (laughs) you know okay Uh, maybe i don't maybe god is saying don't waste your money on that Mm -hmm. i made you just like i wanted you Mm -hmm. get over it and be satisfied with how i made you Mm -hmm. contentment is definitely a lifelong struggle right that is Yes, absolutely. Because I feel like just as soon as you... This is one thing no one ever told me about. Just as soon as you get content with the fact that you are a stay-at-home mom and you are finding joy in the raising of those kids and the making of the home and, you mm-hmm. know, setting the mood of that whole that whole family, all of a sudden they grow up on you. And then and then your husband starts going, like, are you going to, like, do something? Like, they, yeah. you know, like, what are you going like, to do? And it's yeah. like, oh, my gosh, like, I now I have to be another person? Like, yeah. now I have to... And then it's just, you know, yeah. God did. So you go from wife, I figure out how to be a wife, and then the kids come along. Now I have to figure out how to be a mom. Yeah. Then the kids grow up. Now I have to figure about how to be. What? What? Like. Because there's a big blank future still of years. Yeah. My kids don't need me as a mom. Yeah. And now now I am a grandma. Yeah. But. But that's not full time. No. No. And you don't want it to be full time because you want your children to raise their own kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. But that transition's weird. A lot of my friends have been talking about that. A lot of them are starting to transition into that. There's still kids at home, but they don't really need me anymore. And I'm like, they always need us, right? Yeah. They always yes. need us. But what I'm saying is I'm in Washington. My kids are in New Hampshire. And right. I mean, my dad's staying there, but even if he wasn't, because my dad's like, do I need to like do this or that while you're gone? And we're like, pretty much no. Like, yeah. even if you didn't live here, we would have left them. Yeah. They're 14 yeah. and 18, and they're completely capable of cooking and cleaning and taking care of themselves. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, they need us, but not full time. Right. Right. And the day that they are not going to need you at all is really close. Yeah. Your 14-year-old is going to be 18 in a blink or two. Yeah. And probably moving out and right. doing their own thing. Right. You can't make your identity your whole... Like, it's it's like... You have to sacrifice everything for the kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then they leave and then you, you have to <laughs> figure out, like, you've already sacrificed. So yeah. it's like you can't lose yourself. Lose your identity. Completely in that because yeah. they're temporary. Like, they're a gift, yeah. they're given, and then they go and do their own thing. And I think when people are like, my family is my life, I'm just like, I am so sorry for you. Because right. that's a really dangerous place to stand. You know what that means? To go back to what we talked about. That means your family is your God. Yes. If your family is your life, your family is your God. Yeah. And that's a problem. It is. It's a false God. Because then when they 
die or grow up and move away or there's a broken relationship or whatever, it will devastate the person. Yeah. Like they won't recover from it. No. They won't know what to do. You can't put your whole life on something that can be shaken. No. Our whole life, our whole foundation needs to be built on Christ and that's it. Yeah. That's why I love that song, like on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. What is the scripture that you quoted, the shaken, um, he's going to shake the earth one more time and the only things that are going to be remain, what cannot be shaken will last. Hebrews 12, 27. Is that right at the end of the Hall of Faith? Yeah, the next chapter. Mm -hmm. Hebrews 11 is the chapter, the Hall of Faith chapter, and this is the next chapter. And... So it starts out, there's such a great cloud of witnesses, right? Mm-hmm. Lift up your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees. And you haven't come to this mountain that blazes with smoke and, you know, the people tremble. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. It says at that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Mm -hmm. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Right. And the only things that cannot be shaken are the things that are built like into the kingdom, that are sown into the kingdom of God. The things of the Lord, the things that bring glory to him, the things that show his glory. That are founded on Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All of that. Yep. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and offer our God is a consuming fire. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's so beautiful. So crazy that like the first the first time he wiped it out was with water and the second time mm-hmm. it's going to be with fire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Almost all the songs, not all the songs, a lot of the songs I have on my playlist, on my Spotify playlist that I have right now, are about, like, come Jesus, come. Mm-hmm. I know, right? <laughs> really, they I all know. have, like, that kind of thing yes. in them. Yes. Although, you know, sometimes I think about it, and we think, oh, what? why is he tarrying? Like, why mm-hmm. the delay? Whatever. But mm-hmm. then also, I remember to myself, I have loved ones that aren't saved. I know. And so it's not that he's being slow as in someone who's delaying just from slowness, but he's being long-suffering that more people may come unto him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, can we, like, stay here for a while longer and continue Endure. to deal with this, mm-hmm. that other people's children may be saved, right. that some of our other siblings or whatever may be saved, or yeah. whoever it is. Yeah. That's a real paradox for a Christian. It is. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly, but just wait. Get, get, take a few more. Get a few more in. So this, Let us proclaim the word, which again comes back to the urgency of proclamation of the word. This might be my own theology, and tell me what you think of it, but you know, it says that even Jesus doesn't know the day or the mm-hmm. hour mm-hmm. of the return. Only mm-hmm. God the Father knows. Mm-hmm. And because he lives outside of time, mm-hmm. so he can see the beginning from the end because he is the Alpha and the Omega. Mm-hmm. He knows at the timeline of humanity from when he set it out to like it's it's marching along in our timeline and he can mm-hmm. see the whole thing that he's already determined when he's going to come. He's sovereign. He knows all. He knows the beginning right. from the end and that he's going to choose that moment in time, that exact moment in time where the most people could possibly be saved mm-hmm. ever before it starts going like to less people being saved. Like mm-hmm. there's like going to be like a... That- climax before mm-hmm. and like that's the maximum of people that can be saved and that's when he's going to decide to like mm-hmm. send his son back mm-hmm. when that is i don't know but mm-hmm. i've never thought about it would that. go along with his personality yeah or his oh, yeah. characteristics yes exactly because his his desire is that all would be saved but but all will not be saved right so because they have the most will. so the most so the most Let's not get into the whole free will thing or we'll be here for three more hours. <laughs> and we might disagree. <laughs> then we might start duking it out. No. Actually, even... I, th- I don't think we disagree on that, to be honest. Yeah. 
I don't, I actually don't know if we do or not. We should. And then talk about baptism. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) And free will. Baptism and free will, both. (laughs) Well, thank you for joining me for this discussion. It's been a joy and a pleasure. Yeah, I love love going on rabbit trails with you, especially. (laughs) I especially love starting off with one topic and then talking about 40 other ones and then trying to wrap it up and figure out where we're at. That's the best part. There you go. Let's do it again. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for listening to Dicey Stuff. As always, you can join our Facebook group and I'd love your feedback. I'd love your comments. God's peace be with you. Oh, hey, DSPS. Our culture today does a lot of calling evil good and good evil. Isaiah preaches some woes. And I'd like to read those verses for you. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. That is Isaiah chapter 5, verses 20 and 21. I think it is very wise for us to check our hearts and check our intentions. We are called to be countercultural in this world. We do not affirm the world's lies for truth. We do not call evil good. Take care, friends. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dicey Stuff, the podcast where Lois talks about this big dicey adventure called life. You're welcome to send your comments and feedback to DiceyStuffPodcast at gmail.com. Please, if you would, subscribe and share. Until next time, roll on, friends. <laughs>